Welcome to the Startup Help Desk, your source for answers to questions about building companies, building businesses, starting businesses, and everything in between. Your panel here are all experienced founders, entrepreneurs, investors. We've made all the mistakes along the way, and we're here to save you that same trouble. Today, we're talking all about exits, and specifically, not the exits we think about. If somebody's going to offer you a billion dollars for your company, you're probably going to take it. There's lots of other exit scenarios that are less clear, less crisp. We'll jump into those hairy exit situations and what we recommend you do. And to help answer those questions, we have our illustrious panel of founders and investors with us, Ash and Nick. Hi, everyone. My name's Ash Rust, and I'm a pre-seed investor based in San Francisco. I mostly invest in B2B companies based in the US, UK, and Canada through a fund I started called Sterling Road. Before investing, I was an entrepreneur myself, and these days I spend most of my time coaching founders. I help more than 1,500 startups over the years. Hey, this is Nick Melionis. I am co-founder and CEO of a startup called Navi. The skills that make the best founders are the same skills that everyone needs to succeed in the world of tomorrow. We help people and organizations build those skills. I have supported hundreds of folks and startups on their innovation quests, and I can't wait to get started today. And my name, as always, is Sean Burns. I've been a founder for 20 years, an investor for the past decade. And for some reason that we cannot explain, Nick and Ash continue to put up with me to this day. But you know what? We well, can't stop. I keep getting checks. I watch that secret <laughs> DVD and then... <laughs> this is the first I keep hearing about that check. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, you're oh, yeah, in no Bitcoin, checks. but you don't need any checks. <laughs> Remember, that's the old way of doing things. Oh, man. Okay, well, I'm going to jump into these questions, but before I do, everybody out there, remember, we have the show for you. And so all the questions that we will answer were submitted by people just like you. If you have questions, we would love to answer them. Find us at thestartuphelpdesk.com or on X slash Twitter slash whatever Elon calls it, thestartuphd. Um, Submit your questions. We'd love to answer them in a future episode. But all the questions today that were submitted by people like you are about exits and specifically the hairy kind of situations that can arise when you're doing an exit and it's not quite that easy home run win that we all hope that we get. So here's our first question, uh, Ash and Nick. We have an acquisition offer, but it isn't for very much. Our investors want to take it, but I don't think it's worth it. How do we decide? This is a good question. Ash, what do you think, man? Well, I think, first of all, as the CEO or the primary founder, whoever's kind of in charge of the company, it's that person's decision. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that there are zero consequences if you choose to ignore the counsel of others. So you shouldn't feel too much pressure to go ahead with an acquisition that you don't want, that you don't think is a good offer to take. But just remember that if you do that, there are likely to be some fairly significant consequences from the people who are pushing you to take it. So uh, there's a famous story with Facebook back in the early days, maybe Yahoo was offering uh, about a billion dollars uh, to sell the company. Uh, and uh, the investors, the executive team wanted Mark Zuckerberg to take it. He said, no, I uh, don't want to do this no matter what. And a bunch of executives resigned. So there were significant consequences to him saying no to that offer. But it was probably the right thing to do looking back. If investors are pushing you to take an acquisition offer, then you saying no to that probably means that they're not going to fund you anymore. So whatever plan you have for building the business further, it needs to be uh, accounting for the fact that you're not going to get any more funding from the investors who you've now upset with your set of decisions. 
Uh, and I think that's totally fine. But as long as you're comfortable with those consequences, then you can move forward with continuing to build the business. If you're not okay with those consequences, then you probably do have to accept the offer. And that's the decision. And, and Ash, is this different when you think about offers where you they expect you as the founder to go along with the deal, right? Where if it, the deal won't happen if you don't go there and commit to like two or three years. I feel like there's a difference between your perspective of not a lot and your investor's perspective of not a lot because they're like, hey, I want to sell it, get whatever cash back and move on. Whereas you're committed to two to three years of your life. I feel like a lot of founders don't realize that they have a lot of agency there. They can say, no, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to commit two or three years of my life for this little amount of compensation. Yeah, I think that's a big part of the problem. Uh, you're going through acquisition processes and there's the earnout element that oftentimes will change significantly for the investors and the founders if the founders leave. And so, yeah, I, I think that if you are mortgaging your future for a relatively small amount of money, then you really do have to be very careful about agreeing to that. And some investors are, are pretty unscrupulous about asking for you to do something that's going to make their numbers look better. And you better push back on that because it's really not enough uh, for an investor to have an okay outcome and want you to have two years or three years of your career set aside in order for them to get that. In the investor space as a venture capitalist, you're looking for 10,000x wins. And if this company is not one of those, which is the cases we're talking about today, then the investors should be supportive of whatever the founders want to do, by and large, uh, because it's not going to be the one that's going to get them a profile in Forbes. And that's what matters. <laughs> well, and, and Nick, in crypto, you just run away with all the tokens, right? And so you do a rug pull. But um, <laughs> other than that, what is your experience? And then end up in court in Singapore, I believe. That is a very long acquisition road right there. Yeah, if you're looking for you know, decades of uh, pain, then that would be the route to take for sure. In this case, it seems that there's likely three factors that come into this. One, of course, would be runway. How much runway does your startup have? Second piece is the conviction. How much conviction do you have that you're on the right track? And then the third piece of this are your personal circumstances. The earnout is one thing that factors into that. Another thing that factors into that, of course, would be, have you sold a startup before? If you've already achieved some type of outcome or some success or just built some assets, so to speak, then you can be a little bit more ambitious in terms of turning down opportunities. Those are the general factors that I would say one should consider. The final notes that go into this when it comes to making your personal decision for this Nate would mostly be around the conviction. If your startup's growing and you've got some signal that you're reaching an inflection point, that can be enough evidence that suggests you should turn this offer down and go for it. As Sean and Ash mapped out, investors are looking for that 10,000x type of outcome. If they're encouraging you to take an acquisition now and it is a thorny type of situation, i.e. might not be for a ton, that means that they don't have a lot of conviction in this startup being able to continue to grow beyond where it is today. So you're balancing your conviction versus theirs. And you do have some unique insight into this opportunity. And so, of course, the uh, magic sauce of all this is there's a gut component. You got to take your gut in terms of what kind of conviction you have to move forward. <laughs> 
just don't have some really bad day old tacos before you do that. Otherwise your gut might, might mislead you in that way. That's, yeah, that's the, the, pers- the uh, personal factors are always at play when it comes to this. Age related commentary coming from Sean. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I want to repeat one more time that there are a lot of investors out there that are not the best investors and they will do this whole guilt trip situation where they'll tell you, Listen, you know, you have to go along with the deal because if you ever want to raise money again, investors will look at this. So you have to accept this bad deal and commit three years. It's not true. They will they will do this whole situation trying to convince you to sign up for something you shouldn't sign up for for less than you deserve just to try to smooth over their portfolio math. None of it's true. It's just not how it works. So beware anybody who's trying to talk you into something that's a bad idea. Amen. But let's move on. Otherwise, we uh, we won't be able to sell the podcast for a billion dollars, which, of course, is our goal. So, Nick, what else is on our question queue for today? All right, let's do it. This is a question we received from a founder. Question is, our biggest competitor has approached us about a merger. It makes sense, but it also feels risky. When is a merger a good idea? Sean, do you want to kick things off? I have. I've done this. Um, my first company, Flare, we merged with... Um, the, uh, the other leading company in the space and in doing so created the definitive market leader. And so it can be a very good idea if you are in a market where you have two companies that are clearly by and far ahead of anybody else and merging them creates this entity that has just commanding market share and a lot of velocity and mind share. But even then it's crazy risky. Like I don't think people realize how long a merger integration can take and how much risk happens during that period, right? So in, the, in that integration, it isn't just integrating the products. You have to integrate the cultures of the two teams. You have to try to mix your customers together. All your competitors will see a merger as an opportunity to steal your customers because you're distracted with all this internal gibberish and they're just going to go in and snipe them. So often, my best advice to companies is if your competitors are getting merged, you just focus on sniping as many of their customers while they're distracted with the merger as they can. So you have to be really, really careful. And in fact, in the worst case, if you're just two companies in a sea of competitors and you're merging, you're likely to lose market share because everybody you're distracted where everybody else is focused. There's a bunch of companies that think this is a good idea. It's like, hey, we have 3 million in ARR. This other company has 3 million in ARR. If we merge together, we'll have 6 million in ARR and maybe we can sell the private equity. I've heard that a bunch of times. And often what happens is if you have 3 million in ARR and you merge with another company with 3 million in ARR, you end up with a company that is 4 million in ARR. And I cannot, and even that is a risky scenario. So be very careful. It can make sense. It can be a big win, but only in specific circumstances. Almost universally, I think you're better off going it alone. And if, if you can't grow fast enough to go it alone, then instead of a merger, just sell the company, find somebody to acquire you. But Ash, mm-hmm. your experience may differ. What do you think, man? Yeah, I see mergers as a last resort at the uh, Lord of the Rings Frodo Baggins selection level. We are not talking about doing this because it's the first choice, not by a long shot. So if you can't sell, if you're going out of business, if a merger will save a small number of employee jobs and investor stakes, Uh, then it's worth a shot. But it's very low probability of a good outcome. Even in the high-profile cases, it hasn't really worked out that well for most of those people involved. And if you're at the later stage, 
maybe you are a, a, a growth stage company, pre-IPO company, and you're trying to merge, then you're likely to attract government pressure these days as well. So it's even harder to make it happen. Mergers, not a good option. Acquisitions, much better option. Hire a new CEO and move on yourself. Another option before doing a merger, in my opinion. Well, this is interesting, Ash. You're even more down on than I am. Is there ever a case in your playbook when it might be a good idea? Do I get a yacht? Is that part of the deal? <laughs> well, but you said it was like a last resort, but is there any is there any time when it's actually a good idea instead of just a last resort? I'm just curious. I think there's one case where Disney merged with ABC. Um, and you could call it a merger because like Disney was smaller than ABC at the time. But by and large, the winning outcomes are not mergers, they are acquisitions. And I think that unless you've got, you know, a CEO uh, or an executive team that includes people like Bob Iger, uh, then you're likely to have a really tough time on a merger. And uh, instead, you should let one of the two participants win uh, and swallow the other one whole. That's actually a really good point. Most of the mergers that I can think of that succeeded, someone, it, they called it a merger, but it really was a company that was roughly the same size acquiring the other one. And even though I'm thinking back to Flurry, like when we did a quote unquote merger, but I mean, the product that we use was our product and mm -hmm. like everything was, the, all, all that happened was we migrated all the customers and the big win for us was not having to compete with this other company and distract ourselves overall. So I think that's a good way to think about it. In cases where, you're calling it a merger, but really it's an acquisition that could work in theory. That seems to that seems to be the way where you identify clear responsibilities and there is going to be one consistent identity that continues. That seems to be part of the winning formula. Well, the clear responsibility is Ash takes the yacht. Um, Nick, what do you and I get? What do we get Crucial. out of this, this merger? No, That's you two right. don't get anything. You're not investors. We <laughs> get the money. <laughs> I don't know. Nick has, all the, Nick has all the crypto. Let's go, Nick. Where's our crypto tokens? Like, move into a, a cold wallet or whatever they call it. Oh yes, you can have as many of those as you want. Future value. <laughs> sure. Oh goodness. Well, feels like we're ending up on the wrong side of that deal, right there. Well, we've only got time for one more question. How about that? So, right now, there's a lot of startups running out of cash and shutting down. How do you decide when to stop and let your startup go? Right now, a lot of startups are running out of cash and shutting down. How do you decide when to stop and let your startup go? This is very tricky. This is a tough question for me to answer because my instinct is almost always to keep going. And so ask me this question if you want your advice to be continue. That being said, I've got two quick stories I can share. I met some buddies all at the same time. This was back around 2014. In one case... Very talented startup team. They'd raised some money. We're considering raising additional money. So they're up against this question here. They ultimately decided to shut down the company, return the leftover cash, get jobs at great companies, and are, from what I can tell, happy and living life right. The other group of buddies, similar situation, had raised some money, knew they needed to raise more, persevered, continued to grind hard. Fast forward years later, and their company is worth quite a bit of money. And so ultimately, I think what this means is it's hard to predict what kind of outcomes can happen when you persevere. You're going to need some luck and you're going to need to ultimately trust your instincts when it comes to this kind of decision. 
The only way you could perhaps make it easier is give yourself a clear timeline with some objective goals. Perhaps you say in three months, we need to see some certain level of demand or revenue generated. If you reach those objective milestones, that may help you make this decision more easily, but it's challenging and ultimately you're going to need luck on your side, regardless of how you pursue it. Well, Nick, if you think about those two teams you told you spoke about in those stories, do you think they would have been happy if they chose the other direction? Like, was this a, a decision that had two happy outcomes or did they happen to make the decision that was a correct decision? And if they'd gone the other way, they would have been unhappy. I think that is well put. My gut says that each team made the right decision for themselves. And ultimately, it was very personal for them. So I do think it is unique per startup. Fair enough. I mean, my experience is very similar. So first, if you're running out of cash, it's an easy decision. You're going to shut down. I don't know how you keep going if you don't have any cash. But if you don't, it, it is hard. I, I have had friends that have probably persevered too long and spent you know six years of their life and have nothing but credit card debt and personal financial ruin to show for it. And I have other people who persevered that extra year and, and were able to break out. It's, it's almost impossible to know if you're pushing towards something or if you're just pushing. And so it ends up being a question for you, like, how hard do you want to push? Do you still believe in what you're doing? Is there something you'd rather spend your time on? Uh, the only hard line, because it's such a subjective decision, it's up to everyone about have you pushed hard enough, is like never, ever put yourself in a situation where your personal financial future will be cratered if you push past that line. So just, I know people celebrate the story of the Airbnb founders and their, their book full of credit cards and just don't, please don't do that. Like just, there's a point where if it doesn't work and you have so little left, I just, I've known too many people that have had nervous breakdowns and other sorts of long-term mental health issues. You can take a break and start something new and the more, the more stable your financial situation, the, the more likely that next venture is to succeed. I just I, I hate seeing people follow these apocryphal stories and believe that they're doing what needs to be done. And it just leaves them with so little at the end. I don't know. Amen. There are way too many people cashing in their 401k to keep a startup alive when it's probably not going to happen. I have this conversation way too often with portfolio founders and I have to explain to them, look, I'm not pushing you to do this. I have already put this investment in a different bucket or not looking for the same outcomes anymore. What I'm interested in is is your welfare. And um, a lot of people can't see that, uh, especially if it's, uh, if it's pretty deep down the path. Yeah. The, there's that mindset that perhaps is more represented around founders to persevere and continue this journey forward. And of course, that is, a critical component of making the magic happen. Nonetheless, it's the blade that cuts both ways for this story. That's for sure. I do have to share one story that I, I just is my favorite exit story of all time, which is I had a really good friend, uh, Phil, who was in one of the first YC batches. And um, he, it was a company that did uh, mobile payments over text messaging. This would have been in 2006, a long time ago. Basically, you could send money over text message, which sounds trivial today, but back then it was a big deal. And he feels a brilliant guy and has gone on to do many great things. But there was a point where, um, you know, there was there was a lot of issues with being a money sender back then. And I remember we were in Vegas for a conference and we went out to Denny's and like two in the morning or whatever it was. And 
And, uh, you know, Phil was talking about how like the FTC was investigating and there was these lawsuits and I felt so bad for him. Like this, here's a guy who put his heart and soul in this company. And, and it looked like not only was the company not going to work out, but there was all this legal liability. And I saw him a few months later. I was like, how's it going? He's like, oh yeah, we sold to Amazon and we're good. And this was back when Amazon and was an all stock deal and the Amazon stock wasn't super high. Um, and so not only did they avoid all of these downcomes, somehow they managed to pull a rabbit out of the hat and that, that product became Amazon mobile payments. And since then the Amazon stock has skyrocketed. So that whole team was fantastically well off. Nice. It was just <laughs> going from, you know, moons over Miami talking about, you know, you know, federal lawsuits to, to, to being out. It can happen. I wouldn't bet on it. It's a little bit like winning the lottery, but you know, we do the best we can with what we got. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, I mean, it's fantastic. It worked out. I was really not looking forward to it. <laughs> That's right. That would have been bad. That's what we're, yeah, we're rooting <laughs> for the good outcomes. That's for sure. Oh, man. And with that, we've we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked a lot about exits. Let's be honest. We all want to sell our companies for lots of money, and then it's an easy decision. But sometimes it's not. We've covered a bunch of instances here. There's many more. You know, do your best with what you got. Send us more questions if you have them. But as always, Nick and Ash, thank you for sharing the wisdom. Yeah, thank you both. Thanks, guys. If you have questions that you want us to cover in a future episode, hit us up, thestartuphelpdesk.com or over on X, Twitter, whatever, the Startup HD. For now, the Startup Help Desk is closed. Good luck in building your business.